You're listening to What Do I Know with me, Joanne Pei. And if you're only just tuning in, you're in luck because you now have got two seasons of the podcast to binge listen to. Yay! In our season finale, which is also the final part of our International Women's Day special, I am talking to Melissa Wong, the executive director of Babes, which is a non-profit organization committed to ensuring that every pregnant teenager in need of support is aware of the options she has and given the opportunity to make an informed decision with regards to her pregnancy. Steering clear of judgment, I believe that these pregnant teenagers have to navigate a very difficult journey. And whatever they decide to do eventually takes a lot of courage and strength. And that is why I've decided to dedicate this episode to this group of young women. We are talking about a very taboo subject today, teenage pregnancy. And just to be clear, I'm not here to make a stand. I'm really just here to learn more about the struggles that these young women may face, as well as the work that Babes is doing. I know it can be uncomfortable for some of you, and although I would urge you to keep an open heart and mind, this is probably the point where you want to stop listening if you think you're not going to like what you hear. But if you're still tuning in, good, because let's dive right into this conversation with Melissa Wong. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Joanne. Thank you for being on the show. And just to give a bit of context to some of my listeners who might only just be tuning into this episode, uh, I started this podcast because I really wanted to be able to ask questions and to explore topics that I'm you know, curious or unfamiliar about. But you know, the biggest satisfaction for me is to be able to have conversations that you don't normally have or hear about in the mainstream media. So today is going to be one of those topics. Mm-hmm. And I understand that you graduated with a bachelor's in social service from NUS, right? Yes. And you've been in this industry, you know, working on various community and social service programs for more than 20 years. Yeah. Uh, but you somehow found your way into uh, doing work for single parent families as well as now with babes. Mm. What led you to where you are today? I guess uh, in my course of work, I have always, I've been able to experience like, um, even seniors, arts, environment. And mm. I guess uh, family and children kind of is my passion or, or stood out to me along the way. And mm. I guess with parenthood, that kind of speaks out even more. Yeah, so I mean, I've been Bates for about two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And before that, you were also sort of helping uh, single parent families. Yes, it? correct. So um, that was a pilot program with the National Council of Social Services because I think we do see a trend in terms of uh, more single parents um, pre and post COVID and all. Mm. So that that was a program that was out to kind of support single parents. Could mm. be unwed, uh, divorce, separation, widowed. So both men and women. Mm, all pretty challenging, uh, I mean, challenging relationships uh, yeah. that, that people have. And today we are focusing on teenage pregnancy. Mm. And uh, we should probably start with why teenage pregnancy can be an issue. Right, so I mean, if we look at uh, teenagers, the age that we're looking at probably mm. is um, 13 all the way to 19. Mm. So in this phase, in this season, most would still be studying. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, if you're studying and uh, there is an unplanned pregnancy, it kind of is a disruption. And with that disruption, what it means is that they probably will not be able to complete their studies to at least achieve the next level. Could it be even O-levels, N-levels, or even um, IT diploma, so to speak. Mm. So with that, what the, what the impact could be is probably the economic, like the kind of jobs that they will end up with. Mm. I mean, should they choose to continue with their pregnancy? Mm. Yeah, so of course, there's also other, other implications because being a teen, uh, mm. your body is not ready to to take on the pregnancy. 
Yeah, so there could be health complications with it, not only for the mom, but also for the child. Oh, yeah. How, how, how does that So, I mean, uh, for a teen, I mean, if you're not ready, probably you might not have, I mean, you're still developing and growing, so your, your hips and all might not be ready to, to take that on. Mm. So, natural birth might be an issue. Mm. Yeah, so probably you might need a C-section, which will require a longer recovery. Mm. And there could also be chances of a premature baby, yeah, because the, the body does not have enough to, to support the, the pregnancy. Mm. Yeah. So, what does babes actually do? So, I mean, what we are here to support our pregnant teens. So, mm. we do have a 24-hour helpline. Mm. So, anyone, uh, be it the teens, the mom, the partner, could always call in or text in. Mm. Yeah, so this is where it's the first line of support. So, whoever is pregnant or not sure how do I even determine I'm pregnant, this is the line that they could call or text. Mm. Yeah, and then from there, we would... Uh, look into the different situations and see how we could navigate and journey with them. Mm. The support could end at the helpline or it could continue into case management, meaning we have our social workers to, to speak to the teen and then also their immediate line of support could be their family, their friends or even their partners mm. on their decision. Yeah. I mean, the process can be as quick as you said in ending at the hotline or yes. it could actually be quite long drawn isn't yeah. it so even on a helpline it may not be even instant it could probably take a few days or a few weeks right yeah, to end it but of course at the case management level it it could probably take six months or even a year and a half or two mm. yeah depending on the situation because every individual has a different environment and we kind of need to work uh, around them but do you yeah. actually see a pattern with uh, the the people who call for help so in terms of helpline, we receive kind of about 300-ish uh, a year that mm. inquire about pregnancy-related issues. So most of them who kind of call in or text in, the inquiry is about abortion. So mm. teens themselves may already know of um, what is the outcome or decision that they want to make. So sometimes turning to the helpline could be more like uh, information or a source of affirmation on the like, uh, this is where I want to go and what I want to do. Mm. Yeah, so at least having that right resource to know where to go to. Mm. Yeah. And uh, what are some of the misconceptions that these pregnant teens may have about their pregnancy or their situation? Yeah, so some of the misconceptions that our, our teens would have is that they might not even know that they're pregnant. Or even like, uh, probably if let's say they had uh, sex the day before, they would kind of text in, I think I'm pregnant, what should I do? But after having sex, uh, they probably need to wait for about two weeks before they could uh, ascertain whether they're pregnant. Okay. And sometimes they could probably ask, how, how do I go about it? Like, probably they may not know that they could purchase a DIY kit. Mm. Yeah, and sometimes probably needing to take it twice instead of once uh, to ensure their accuracy. Mm. Yeah, And of course, there's also things like um, contraceptives. Yeah, so they may or may not um, know what to use or how to use it. And even negotiating with their partners on it. Yeah. Oh, Okay, and then you, you provide advice on all so of that? So we would that? check in with them. I mean, if you want to verify your pregnancy, I mean, we would check like when, when was it that you had sex? And sometimes they would go into details, sometimes they don't. Yeah, so at times, uh, probably, I mean, just, just to share a bit further, the, guys may not, the guy may not have ejaculated, but they, they think that they had. So I mean, these are things that teens themselves may not know. How can one conceive? Right. Yeah. Do you get more calls from girls or boys? Also, it's a mix. So we do, of course, most of the the, pers the people that call in are the teens themselves. But we also have parents, like mothers or fathers, who oh. actually do call or text in. Okay. And even concerned partners, meaning their boyfriends. Oh, yeah. okay. And um, what, what are some of the common challenges that these pregnant teens face? So the first thing will be knowledge because mm. with the lack of knowledge, they may not know who to turn to. Mm. So even probably Googling or finding for our helpline, sometimes it may not be themselves. It could be through their friends uh, or, or family members that, that text, text in. Mm. Yeah, so that's one. Then the other would be probably confidentiality because mm. I mean, if you're looking at um, the legal age and all, there are quite 
there are, there are legal implications. Right. Yeah, so if you are below 16, it's considered rape. Uh. Yeah, so I mean, of course, there's this confidentiality when they approach us because we are here to see how we can support you. So on the first onset, we will not ask like, you know, what's your age and stuff like that. But what is it that we that you need support in and what's the issue that you're trying to resolve? Mm. Yeah. So, what, what, okay, what are some of the common issues that they have? Uh, so the other one would be financial mm. because they'll probably need to go purchase the DIY kit mm. and should... The DIY kit uh, shows that it's positive. The next step will probably need to go to polyclinic. So, I mean, if you look at the public healthcare system, we usually need to go to polyclinic before we can get a referral to the hospital. Right. Yeah, so depending on your age, um, at, the, at the hospital or clinic, there's the obligation by the doctor to report this to the police should it be uh, someone who's underage. <gasps> yeah, so there is this fear from the teens themselves. Uh, yeah. Uh, how do you, I mean, cou- counsel, is that the right word? Like, how do you? Yeah, counsel. Yeah, so it, it takes a while to get to them to allay their fears that, you know, this is what you kind of need. I mean, you, you have to at least verify your pregnancy. Right. Because with that verification, then we'll kind of know what's the next step. Because if you do your DIY test kit and let's say, for example, it shows negative in the first week after you had sex, that may not be the most accurate. And then next next step, if you do miss your period, for example, that that's another like um, red flag mm. that probably you could be pregnant. Mm. Yeah, then you may try, you miss again. Then that would probably be like four yes. weeks or eight weeks into the pregnancy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine that for, for, for the fact that they are calling the helpline, it's mm. really because they are afraid, right? Yes. And they they don't know what to do about mm. their situation. Yes. And to, you know, um, how, how do they overcome the fear then? So there's a lot of... Um, Prepping them, yeah, to get that support. Like, is there a friend that you could turn to? Is your partner supportive? Would you be able to share this with your mom, your dad? So this this journey kind of could take a few days or maybe a few weeks. And what is the usual answer, yes or no? So they would they would try and they would be able to identify who's closest to them because by bottling it up on their own and just sharing it with us, there is no one that's closest to them that they could um, get support from. Uh-huh. So with that support, they are actually able to move. So we do have some who have actually shared it with their parents or maybe the mom or their dad uh-huh. and they can get that support. So then they, they actually say that actually, yeah, it's, it's not as bad as how I, I think it would be. Right. Yeah. I mean, I really want to go into that, but maybe later on. Uh, you said earlier on that a lot of the teens who call, they already kind of have come, already have a decision on what they want to do. Yes. Uh, according to your website, it says that 85% of them choose parenthood. Mm. Uh, I mean, to be honest, I am quite surprised mm. um, because... I can only imagine how daunting it is. I mean, for me, being a first-time mom, I think it's, adult, right? it's, it's hard, you know? And the, yes. the whole idea of being pregnant and then you have to be responsible for this human being for the rest of your life. And I would assume, I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. that it's for them, it's usually in the absence of uh, a husband or a partner. So it would be mixed. So some of them do get married. So depending on, on what age. Right, right. Yeah, so some of them may be married to the, the natural father of the child. Some may not be. Right. Yeah, and of course, there could also be some that um, have their parents or in-laws support. Right. Yeah, so it's a mix. So Which is why I think it's very daunting. But yet, you know, a lot of them choose to, to keep the baby. Why Why do you think that's so? It could be a few reasons. So, I mean, the, the trends that we are seeing in terms of uh, teens... Um, Take being parents themselves, meaning they, they deliver the child and, and be a mother or father, that is probably in the last few years. So mm. previously, there were actually some who actually chose uh, adoption or fostering. But of course, that is also dependent on the stage of their pregnancy where they are at. Mm. Yeah. What, are, what are the consequences of uh, 
teens who decide to go with this decision of keeping the child. So what it means is probably they would need to delay, have a gap year for school. Right. Yeah, because what it means is they will need to be able to find um, people to care for the child while they're away. So it, it could be either putting in infant care mm. or do they have support from their parents or their in-laws or their partners to care for the child while they go back to school. Mm. So all this could, could take some time. I, yeah. I mean, it does sound like a very stressful period of time because mm. uh, like you said, a lot of them probably have to take gap years from their education. And yes. it also means that they probably haven't entered the um, society to work. Yes. So they don't have a regular source of income. Mm. Uh, they, they probably haven't built up enough savings also to be able to support their child in yes. um, all the expenses that they need, right? Mm. In Whether it's childcare or your basic, like your diapers and your yes. milk powder and all that and stuff. And at times, even the family themselves could be struggling. Yeah. So having an additional mouth to feed also causes stress within the family. Yeah. So, yeah. How, you know, how do they cope? So, I mean, we do have support. Uh, I mean, thankfully, we do have our partners and donors. Right. So, we do support with them, uh, them with our milk and diaper program for those who choose to um, continue to parenthood. And of course, for those who go back to school, we also have our bursary program to encourage them, yeah, to uh, so that at least it could give them a bit of pocket money and so mm. that they don't have to work part-time. Because having to work part-time to look after your child and to manage your studies, it's really additional stress. It's so, I, I can only imagine it's so hard. And do you would you say that usually they have support for people who choose parenthood eventually they have support in one form or another? Yeah, so sometimes it can come in really early where they have their parents' uh, support even before they deliver that you know we will support you in this decision. But there are some who who take quite a while. Like even after the child is born, the parents may not be be there for them. But mm. as with you know having babies and all, it kind of. The grandparents will eventually support the, their child mm. and the grandchild. Yeah, it's just how long it, it might take. Okay. Yeah, so we, we do see an, an, uh, more, more families yeah, coming together with the child and also the, the mother herself maturing because of the responsibilities that she has to take. Has this changed? Uh, like, you know, because you, you talk about this mm. happening in the last couple of years a bit yeah. more. What was it like before? So before we do have uh, a, a bit more that kind of chose termination or even uh, adoption, but mm. of late, most of the cases that, that we handle, close to, yeah, probably 90, 95% choose parenthood. Mm. Yeah. W what has changed, do you think? I would think probably it's the resources that's available or rather society. I think we're more open to having uh, single moms and all because, I mean, there's also, like, the child is not at fault. Right. Yeah. What, what do these single moms actually need? I would say support, yeah, because without that support, if they feel alone, they will not be able to go through this journey. Mm. Yeah, so of course, having that non-judgmental and respect for the individual and her choice, because whether are you a teen mom or a adult that has an unplanned pregnancy, you go through the same struggle. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, if you're unwed, you still get judged. Whereas being a teen, I mean, you're, you're kind of still a child. Yeah, so you're still growing, developing and maturing. You do not even have the resources like what you mentioned, right? They, mm. ha they haven't even stepped out to work. So yeah. they are still dependent on their parents and, and family. Mm. Yeah, Unlike adults who at least have a source of income. And so we provide them with all options. And then from there, they make their de decision. So it's like, if should you choose abortion, then this is what it looks like. If you choose parenthood, caring for your child. And then we kind of walk, walk through with them. Like, at least think about what happens in the next year or two. How would that look like to you? Okay. Yeah, and then from there, they, they make that decision. Right. I mean, yeah. how how long is this relationship that they have with you? So it could be, I mean, the longest is about one and a half to two years. So even though we kind of stop case management, we still involve them in our other programs like our bursary or when we have events, we still invite them. Yeah. So there is still this touch point. 
Do you, do you yeah. see anyone coming back for, for more help or anything like that? So sometimes they do come back again because of a repeated pregnancy or abortion. Like a repeated unplanned pregnancy? <laughs> yes. So, so that happens. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, okay, this other question is like asking about, w- sh- should we try to prevent so, unplanned pregnancies? I mean, at the clinics, because uh, for teenagers, after their first delivery, there will be counselling and of course encouraging them to, to take on contraceptives. So for teens, uh, there are different options so depending on, on how comfortable they are. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I grew up in a time where <laughs> it's... It's like a no-no, a big no-no, right? For, abstinence. For, yeah, abstinence from sex. And if you have sex with this one person, you better marry, marry him, him. <laughs> right? And um, yeah, and, and if you are uh, pregnant before you get married, it's, uh, uh, you know, people, yeah, people judge. judge you. Mm. Um, people look at you differently. Yeah. Uh, but now it seems like it's not so bad. Uh, I, I guess you, you start seeing people having babies and then they get married. Right, yes, that happens, yeah. and uh, perhaps society is also a little bit more open now for sure uh, than before. Mm. It's it's more like I mean, should the individual should have that that um, ability to make that decision based on the information that that he or she has and be prepared for it. Yeah, because I mean, we we do have girls who kind of chose that, but do not see through it. Chose that meaning what? Chose, for example, they they choose um parenthood, meaning they want to keep the child, mm. but then after one or probably six months down the road, they go back to their old ways and leaving the mom to care for the child. Oh. Yeah, so it's having really that grit and resilience to yeah, see through your, your decision. It, it is mm-hmm. hard because yes. even for myself, I have to admit that I never knew motherhood was so hard. Mm. You know, until... Um, un- I mean, my, my children, they are eight and six now. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, when I was a bit younger, I've always dreamed, oh, I'm going to get married, I'm going to have like kids and I'm going to have uh, like four children and this and that. And then I've come to realize that uh, I, that that visual image stops at that, you know, that, 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 that infant age. I like, it never, I never imagined that they would grow up and then they would start having complicated emotions and then they would start dealing with all the, you know, all, all these mm. different um, challenges that I'm facing now with 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 my mm. growing children, right? Yeah. So I think motherhood is really hard, and um, for myself, so I, I I can only imagine how it's gonna be like for them when you know they're still growing, they're still yes, they're facing a lot of, of adolescence of self identity. Yes, and now I'm exactly. Like, yeah, they are struggling with that as well. Yeah. So I do admire the, that you know there is uh, some some form of support that's yes. given to them, so at least they are not feeling helpless and. Mm. I suppose, uh, you know, what what were some of the things that could happen if they didn't have the support? Yeah, so I mean, if we are looking for... A, so we, we do have teens who, for example, call in and they kind of would like to abort, but they, are, they have that fear of going to a medical institution or, or even informing about their parents. So they do self-harm and try to, to terminate. Yeah, so this is the part where, you know, there could be no support, no knowledge. Right. Yeah, but for those who kind of choose parenthood, they may come to us at, at a very, very late stage. So they may not be prepared. So we kind of need to also prepare the home environment mm-hmm. so that there's safety for the, for the kids mm. and the mom, yeah, so that they grow up well in the environment with the support of the family. Mm. Yeah. I mean, are, are there any uh, sort of uh, discrimination that these single par- mom, single moms, you know, face? Yes, for sure they do. I mean, if you are very young and you are pregnant, definitely 
even just on the streets, you'll be judged. So I mean, we do have a, a, some ghosts who shared that, you know, they do get snide remarks. Yeah, from, from, for example. from members of the public, like, you know, you're so young and you have like two kids, things, things like that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you heard of any stories that your service users have shared with you about the struggles that they face? Yeah, so even sometimes at school, they, they kind of keep it hush-hush. So there are some who don't even uh, tell their friends that they, they have a child. Yeah, so these are the struggles that they face in school. I mean, if you're at that age, you would definitely have a group of close-knitted friends, you will hang out and all, but, my, but many a times they are unable to hang out because they have that responsibility to go home and care for their child. Mm. Yeah, so being not able to share their, their real identity, their role with the people they spend most time with in school can be quite, yeah, very, very challenging. Mm. Mm. And then how do they cope? So I mean, that's where I mean, we would encourage them if they have a close friend that, that they could share with or, or even the teachers because I mean, depending on which level they are at. Yeah, because I mean, if you're in secondary school, it might be a bit tricky. Yeah, mm. but at, at tertiary level, some of them are more open. Yeah, so they do share that with their friends or even their, their class tutor or, or form teacher, so to speak, yeah, to, to get that support. Mm. Mm. And, and usually, does it work? Yeah, yeah, it does. So I mean, for us, we also work very, very closely with the schools. Right. Yeah, I mean, we will encourage them that it, I mean, if you're going to be in this environment for the next few years, there has to be someone that you can turn to. Yeah, because I mean, if your kid is unwell and you need to be home. I mean, as with working moms, that happens. <laughs> let alone if you are in school and you have a child. Yeah, who's going to attend to your to your kid mm. if not yourself? So these are some um, ways where the classmates, they are very helpful. They do take notes uh, for them. Oh. Yeah, so having that, that support even within school. So yeah. w- would you say that sometimes we we think that people around us wouldn't understand and they would not accept. But actually, if you know, you know when you advise your service users to sort of open up to the people mm. around them, that the response that they get could be surprising. Yes. Is yeah. that how it works? Mm, it does. And I think there was a school that actually did a fundraising for, for one of a, a, a teenage mom. I mean, that is not a client, but really, I think people are more empathetic these days. Because, I mean, if you are looking at the real need, it has to be addressed or supported. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. We, we talk a lot about teenage moms. Um, mm. And we also often relate teenage pregnancy with, with the young girls. Mm. Um, shouldn't it be a shared responsibility between <laughs> both parties, to be fair? Yeah, I mean, it takes two to clap, but it depends on whether the, the other half is in the picture or not. Mm. Yeah, so sometimes the, the partner may not be in the picture or may not even know of, about the pregnancy. Yeah, because the relationship could already have been uh, broken off already. Why yeah. is that so? So we do realise that our teens could be in multiple relationships. And this is the definition of being in a relationship is very, very different. Oh, tell me about that, please. So I mean, like, we, we've heard from a teen that it could be a week, a month, and they kind of call that a relationship. It's very much, I mean, for me, I'm born in the 80s, right? So it's like, <laughs> then it's like probably by years, not, not by weeks or days. Yeah. Right. So what is that definition of a relationship to them and what it means about being in a relationship? Yeah. And oh, the whole oh, intimacy and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Tell, tell me more about this part uh, based on sort of uh, your, 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 case, your, your cases and uh, what you've gathered from these young, uh, young men and women, actually. Yeah, so I mean, we do have um, some of our teens who, are, I mean, they have an, a partner who could be slightly older than them or they are fearful. So when they are in a relationship and they want to get intimate, they are afraid of them and sometimes they may be abusive. So there's a bit of sexual coercion or a power imbalance. Mm. So they are afraid to say no. Okay. Yeah, so that could result in a pregnancy. Right. Yeah, so a healthy relationship, what's a healthy relationship, what's not, how to say no. These are things that are hard to navigate. 
Right. Yeah. So what would you consider to be a healthy relationship then? Or what would you advise a, a young woman today, for example? Mm. Uh, you know, how, how do you have a healthy relationship? So that we respect and open communication. Right. Yeah, which is important because, I mean, we have to respect each other, not only, I mean, on the physical, but really, I mean, yeah, as an individual, if he or, she, or, if, if he or she says no, then it's no. Yeah, and of course, that, that communication about what is it being like in a relationship, yeah. That's very different these days. I mean, you can still be dating another person, so does it mean that you are in a relationship? Is it mutually exclusive? Yeah, so there has to be that common understanding. What is the definition of a relationship for them now in this day and age? I'm curious too because, I mean, I o I'm also born in the 80s, right? Mm. And uh, being in a relationship means that you commitment. Yeah, you commit to someone. You don't um be with someone and date someone else, and you know you you don't do that kind of stuff, right? You you yeah. just like you 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 commit to this person and you hopefully marry this person. I mean, at <laughs> least that was you, my you time. date and date to marry. Yes, yes, you date to marry. Mm. Uh, but you know. I'm I'm very out of touch also with what uh, the young people these days are like in terms mm. of uh, having a relationship. So maybe you can tell us more. So I mean, how we see it is that they they kind of do uh, move on quite quite quickly. Yeah. Okay. But also, I think what what they do as a couple and what does it mean being in a relationship that that could have changed. Yeah. And we do see a trend in uh, teens getting sexually active at a much younger age. We're yeah. talking about how old? Thirteen, fourteen. Mm. Yeah, so the youngest uh, service user that we have is actually 13 years old. Mm. So we also have seen that trend in terms of um, youths getting uh, into relationship at a much younger age. So this day is like probably in upper primary, 11, 12. Mm. Yeah, unlike in the past where it was slightly older. Why is it so? It could be social media and what's out there. I mean, definitely this day there's much more access to the internet and most youth will have a device. Yeah. Right. And... Um, well, what is what is that? What's that correlation between device and being in a relationship? Uh, so I mean, young? there's all this media, you know, the romanticizing and what is it like? So right. I mean, being teens, having that self identity, being in a relationship could be seen as cool, and if they have had sex, it could be something that that they they do talk about. I mean, among the guys or girls, right? Yeah. So I mean, we have had uh, teens who shared that they get information from their peers. I mean, we've done studies at the tertiary level. Okay. Yeah, so that's where they, they talk about it, but not to their parents, of course, uh, or their partners, but, but mainly among peers. How, how do you then deal with, with, with it? Because like for yourself, you come from a different uh, generation, right? Mm. And a different concept of what a relationship is. And then when you face uh, like someone who comes to you and tells you about, oh, this is what their definition of a relationship is, which is very different from your own. Mm. How do you handle it definitely it's different values and culture and all but we can't impose what what we think onto them but i think through the questioning and what is it that they want we kind of get them to, to think for themselves right yeah okay so i mean we were we were talking a little bit more about that shared responsibility between mm. both parties and you say yeah. that sometimes uh, in some cases of course you've got both of them who mm. decide to go on uh, continue to have the baby yes. and sometimes you know one party is absent mm. um but the truth is we don't hear much I mean, we don't, we don't hear of teenage, teenage dads. dads. Yeah, We hear of teenage moms. All the time because it's visible. Because when a girl is pregnant, you obviously know that she's a teenage mom. But you can't tell that the, the, the teenage boy is a dad. Yeah. yeah. But we do have, uh, we have service. I mean, we have uh, supported the, the dads. It's just a handful. Uh. Well, the dads are the ones who took on the responsibility to care for the child. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I maybe I might be stereotyping here, but... 
it seems like you know the 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 boys always tend to just leave the girls after they find out that they're pregnant. Not or all. is that just what happens on TV too much? Mm, not all. Not we do all. we do have partners who are supportive. Yeah, so some of them do accompany them for prenatal checks, and for those who are working, some of them do try to support while they can. Yeah. And do you give advice to the to the to the to the girls who do not? I mean, who unfortunately do not get the support from their uh, from the natural fathers of their babies. So I mean, they do have their family members or their friends to support them. Mm. Yeah, in this journey. Okay. Mm. Actually, I think this is quite an important question. You know, which is, uh, is is there any way for teenage parents to create a healthy relationship with each other and you know with their child? The truth is, if they are not together, most likely it has ended quite badly. Mm. Yeah, so it's unlikely that they will kind of still want to have that visiting rights or even check out, or even support or have that maintenance for mm-hmm. the child. Yeah, so as with adults, it kind of mirrors the same, it's just that for, for teens. Yeah. Mm, I mean, has there ever been a situation where, you know, one party maybe just freaks out, but then after kind of learning more about what it really is, then they sort of come back and... They might, but, but we, we don't, don't see many of that. Yeah. And how do you effectively communicate that it should be a shared responsibility? Yeah, I guess it's it's hard to have that shared responsibility when the boy himself is not earning. Yeah. Mm. Because if you're looking at responsibility, what are we looking at? Is it caring for the child? So are you actually staying with the, the girl and the child to begin with? Mm. Yeah. And if you're a student, where does maintenance come from? Mm. <laughs> yeah, if you're not working. Yeah. So what what can the boys do then? So, I mean, if, if the boy is, is prepared to be supportive, then that's where they, they could or may have plans to settle down. Yeah, if not, then they could be already um, visit. I mean, the boy could be supporting the, the girl by, you know, visiting the child regularly. Mm. Yeah, so that there's this relationship. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. There's this part where we want to move into is um, the reactions, right? Because you mm. talk about how some parents... Uh, of these pregnant teens call call the hotline as well yeah. uh, and you know me also being a parent of two young kids mm. uh, we, we talk about it among our friends as well like you what know what if, if mm. what if one day my child comes home and tells me that he or she is becoming a mom or dad like how should I react to that yeah it's definitely tough because there'll be shock <laughs> and then denial because I think for most parents we may or may not have touched on the subject with our kids Mm. Yeah, so even if you might have, you know, say a 10,000 times, things still happen. Yes. So definitely there is that shock and denial, like, why my child? Yeah, so even I have done this, done this, but why? Yeah, so I mean, we, we do see a lot of that. Yeah, but at the end of the day is how do we support our child in that the collective decision? Yeah, because we know that our child may not be able to do this on her own or his own. Yeah, so how can we support by hearing what, what he or she thinks? So yeah. what is your advice? So I mean, we would get them to, to speak to their child if we could, yeah, to understand the situation. Mm. And of course, probably also speak to the other party. When yeah. you mean speak to, what are we talking about? Like, so what, we should, should we, what questions should we be asking or what should we be talking to them so about? So the practical approach is really to verify that pregnancy right. for a start because I think some things are time sensitive depending on, on what is that, that decision. And of course, I think being Asians, we also want to take responsibility, but really it's is marriage the best way? It may or may not be. Because, I mean, there are there are situations that we have seen, right? I mean, a couple gets... Uh, I mean, the lady gets pregnant and then they decide to marry. But along the way, they, they might divorce because, I mean, they may not be best suited for each other. 
So what is it that, that you could see through? I mean, as a couple, yeah, that, that has to be discussed together with family because it's not just the two kids that, that can make that decision. Mm. Mm. So when we talk to our kids, first of all, it's to verify the pregnancy. Yeah, like how did it happen? Like, have you? Yeah, but of course it's, it's yeah, fact-finding a little. Okay, and then followed by... And then also to allay their, their fears, right? You know, it's it's okay. I mean, I'm glad you're sharing this with me. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that they, they won't feel afraid to, to share further or take things in matters into their own hands. Okay. Yeah. And then? And then after that, if we could speak to the other party. Yeah, because I mean, usually it's a bit of like family mediation. Even when we do our casework, we, we do work with the parents and the extended family if necessary so that it, it it's more holistic. Would you advise yeah. them then? Because it can be a bit... It can be a bit confrontational. Yes, yes, so it is. So, wouldn't you advise um, the, the the parents to actually come to someone neutral to be able to do yeah, that? Yeah, so I mean, we would, we would work through so that we could have a, a session together, ideally. But it, it takes a while at times because, I mean, the, the child may be afraid to tell the other parent. So, if the, if the kids are still talking, for example, then we could get them to check in with their parents and if they're open to having a session together. Because I think like what you mentioned, having a third party is, is more, more neutral. Yes. Yeah, but some may not be receptive to having a third party coming in. So we, we work around it and see what they're most comfortable with. Mm. Yeah. And any other things is that if, you know, me as a parent today and if I hear a news like that, what else can I do? Yeah, I mean, we don't blame for sure. Mm. I mean, we will always, you know, want to like, you know, why and probably scold the, the child. But that's not what they want to hear. I think what will be more shocking is that you are supportive. Yeah, and that is probably what they actually do need. Mm. Yeah. I, I can't imagine what I would do. Can you? I can't, but I mean, we all start preventive, right? I mean, these days, like, really starting young. Yeah. On, like, you know, what's good touch, bad touch, consent. And I think uh, parenting has evolved over the years as well. Probably during our time, our parents don't even talk to us about it. Nor our sex ed <laughs> in school teach us about it. Yeah, but these days, it has evolved. And yeah, it's definitely much more informational. So things are progressing. How has mm. the sex ed uh, evolved? Because you just mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, so now, I mean, during my time, it was just puberty. That's what I remember about the video. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but but now it actually starts from P5. Yeah, so they have um, sex education lessons that is being taught by the teachers. So all the way to JC level. So every year, it's about probably three hours of sex ed. Oh, mm. what is it like? As for the specific curriculum, I'm, I'm not quite sure into to the details, but they have broken it down based on uh, age-appropriate content. Oh. Yeah, so it covers a uh, holistic, yeah, from like things like relationship, consent, yeah. But of course, I think in the curriculum, it's still about abstinence because, I mean, it's not all about the physical act of sex itself, but the entire holistic um, sex act as a whole. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I, I think uh, that's also very useful because... <laughs> Uh, some of us might not know the right language to use. Yes, it and is. And I guess in today's context, uh, we would want to encourage parents to use the, the right the right words. Yeah, rather than using a substitute. Yeah. Do you have any examples of uh, like a definite no-no uh, sort of language or way we should be talking about this with our kids? I think as long as it's age appropriate, right? Yeah, which is more important because I think sometimes we may we may be afraid of telling them something that is not age appropriate, and then it's like you know you talk about sex, but it's not at the right age. Then it encourages them to probably you know go find out. More. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I, I struggle yeah. with this too because like sometimes you think they are very mature when they're actually not, mm-hmm. and then you don't know how much they know also from, you know, their, their, their circle of friends. And what would they friends. see as well, right? And because, yeah. you know, their circle of friends are also sort of, 
you know, being influenced by different things and mm-hmm. they're hearing things and they may not necessarily be sharing it with us. Yes. So I do think it's kind of challenging. Like, do you have any tips for me? <laughs> Probably for myself as well. I mean, I've yeah. got two young kids as well. I guess it's having the open, regular communication. Right. And, and at um, opportunities, I mean, at, at specific moments, I mean, when you see like on TV, there are kissing scenes or hugging scenes, you know, these are learning moments. So we do not specifically sit down and talk about it. But when we are watching shows or when it, when it's around, you have these moments to, to talk and teach them about it. Of course, as they get older, you know, like, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I can watch a musical and then I see the two like characters kissing. kissing. I'm like, uh, so what should I do? Like, how should I react? Right? Because it's like a Disney musical. And then mm. you're like, uh, okay. Like, and you don't want to overreact or draw mm. like the wrong attention yes. to it. So, I mean, for kissing scenes, you could also, you know, I mean, at least while I speak to my, my girl and my boy, like, you know, where, 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 where do you kiss that's appropriate? Yeah, who can you kiss? And of course, you know, when, you're, when you want to kiss someone or when somebody want to kiss you, you know, you can actually say no. Yeah, so that at least they're comfortable with rejecting. Not everything is a yes. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, because this is this is one of the things that I'm um, also kind of unclear about. Mm-hmm. Even sometimes in the books that they read, you know, they've got like like high school romance kind of a oh, thing. God. Like, you know, this boy's cute and that. And I mean, for my daughter at least, right? And then I'm like, hmm, like, do you want, like, the, if, if you try to ban the book, mm-hmm. it gets them more curious, right? Yes, correct. And so, then they might do it behind your back. Yes. And then if you don't ban the book, they continue to buy, like, you know, volume one, two, three, four, five, six. Mm. And then you're like, mm, so what should I do? That's where the conversations could happen. I mean, what if? I mean, you could have that, that, that kind of conversation. Okay, tell me, her. tell me, what, 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 what is that conversation that I should be having? So, I mean, my, 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 my girl and my, my boy, they always like, you know, I want to marry each other, you know, when I'm older. But it's like, no, you can't because you're siblings. Okay. Yeah, then after that, I mean, we talk about boyfriend, girlfriends. I mean, they're really young, like seven and five. Yes, yes. So it is, the age is getting getting much lower now. Yes. Yeah. So it's this conversation, but of course not going too far because I'm mindful of their age. Right. Yeah. So I would go a bit like, you know, what's a boyfriend, girlfriend? Who is your boyfriend in school? Who's a girlfriend? And then from there, you get an understanding. What do, what does it mean by boyfriend, girlfriend? Right. Yeah. And And if it's something you don't agree with, for example, like, you know, like, there's this boy or this girl or you know in school that I really like I want to hold her hand I want to kiss her and like that sort of thing for mm-hmm. example yeah um then what do you do what I do you would say? just so my, my boy he's five he has a uh, a, a close friend yeah <laughs> in school that he, he knows how to spell his name but not mine I mean he spells her name but not doesn't know how to spell mine oh, you no, know heartbreaking yeah, right. so I mean I, it's just I mean I'll check in with him like how about other girls you know, right. yeah, do you actually hold their hands as well and, and stuff like that? Because I, I think at that age, you know, holding hands and lining up is, is something that it's... It's not quite what we yes, think it is. correct. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of not overreacting. Yeah, so I mean, I also neutralize it and not tease him too much about it. Mm. Yeah, because sometimes you might overdo it if you always, yeah, yeah. tease about that particular girl or boy. I mean, are you, are you afraid actually, yourself personally? I, I guess there could be a bit of this fear. I mean, I'm, I'm in this line, right? So it's like quite, yeah. So what if it happens to me? I'm also not sure how I react, but I guess with the experience and, and how things are, it's really probably just having an open mind and keeping communication open all the time. Right. Yeah, because I think as we get busy with life and as our kids grow up, we might miss such conversations. Yeah. Okay. Do, do you think that um, the, the you know, the book teenage fathers, for example, do, do, do you think they there's less of a social stigma attached to them than to the girls. Mm, yes, for sure. Yeah, because I mean, it's not widely reported as well. 
and it's not visible, you can't tell. So unlike the girls, they receive it much harder. I mean, for the girls. Yeah, whereas for the boys, unless they are seen with a young kid, which is very, very rare. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so definitely the it, fingers won't be on them. But even then, even, even if they are seen with a young kid, what they are facing is very much different from the girls, I'm mm, sure. Yes, right? and of course for the girls, they have it much longer. I mean, you carry a child for like 10 months. Each time you go to the clinic, yeah, all eyes will be on you. Mm. Mm. So what, what do you think we can do about that? Or if there's even anything we can do about that? So I guess having, I think parents should also play an important role as mm. much as school has sex education, but parents also have, should have their open conversations because we do have our teens who say that, you know, their parents tell them, you know, very subtly about sex, like, you know, don't, don't do anything funny. But what is don't do anything funny? Yeah, we, we don't have that kind of conversations. Like, you, yeah. you're not specific enough, is it? Is that what you mean? Yes. Like, don't do anything funny. Correct. What does funny mean? <laughs> Exactly. So even in terms of like even sex education in school, I guess um, there are different schools who have done it differently. Yeah. So I mean, I've heard of a school who actually talk about pornography openly. So they have the entire school um, with uh, pornography and then they, they have open discussion. So having that safe space for such open conversations is actually important because we can be on our devices and, and searching and finding for stuff. But how accurate is that? Mm. And from which source? And mm. our media is usually, you know, over yeah oops i'm in the line of the media <laughs> singapore media is still all right yeah i mean, I mean it's quite controlled yeah. i mean to be honest i do think we don't talk about it enough yes. uh, I, I suppose that's probably why this international women's day i've dedicated three episodes to all you know somehow it's got something to do with our fem female anatomy mm. uh, because i really think that if you don't talk about it openly mm. then you're not normalizing it Yes, and it's also the, the knowledge and awareness, I mean, about yes. our, our entire reproductive health, for example. Yeah, so I mean, it's starting young. Yeah. I mean, even for us, I mean, for ladies, we, we start with periods, right? And yes. then like, then, then what's next as, and we go on. But as a young girl now, I think you could start a bit further. Yeah, they could also see a gynae at a much younger age, not until when something happens. Yes. So yes. really understanding your, your body and yourself. Yeah, I think empowering uh, women, I think mothers to be able to empower their girls mm -hmm. who would then be able to make informed decisions uh, for themselves as they yes. navigate the, the, you know, the, from this girlhood mm -hmm. to being a young woman. I mean, have you noticed the reactions that some of the parents of these pregnant teens have reacted to uh, the news? Like any, any anecdotes to share? So the very extreme ones are they, they chase them out of the house. Yeah, so that, that has happened. So the teen will have to probably find either her extended family or her friends and then, you know, stay each one a few days and all. After some time, I mean, depending whether um, they really do need accommodation, then, I mean, there is actually, I mean, um, social service agencies like Safe Place who support pregnant, pregnant ladies. But mm. that's the extreme end. So eventually, it may take some time that the parent might allow the, the, the girl to come back. Mm. But their relationship could still be very rocky. Mm. But the mother or father is able to provide at least a roof above, I mean, for her. Mm. Yeah. Any, you, so we, we talk about one pretty um, extreme case. Is there any yeah. positive or a case that you've seen also? So the positive one, I mean, definitely the, the girl is still with them and then the, the parent would probably, you know, be supportive in terms of even caring for the child. So we do have, for example, some grandmothers who kind of quit their job to mm. care for the, the, the grandchild. Yeah. So this is how, I mean, if the many helping hands come together with that supportive environment, the girl will actually be able to, to thrive. Mm. Yeah. So support is very, very important. I, I, I do think that uh, mm. it takes a village to raise a child. Yes. And 
in every sense of that word, you know, mm. from from home to even the community. And the school yeah. and all. Yeah. yeah, I do think so. And even, actually, even for the public, for us, when, like, you talk about how when someone spots a young lady with, you know, two kids or maybe with a big t- belly. Yeah. You know, that that look and that... It's that look. So even sometimes, <laughs> even without speaking, just the, the body language. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, it's... If they don't have to to put up with that look, I mm. think it, it's also something uh, that one less thing they have to deal with. Yeah, because I mean, it's easy to say you know don't care about what others think, but maybe when you're in that situation and sometimes you really do need someone to at least help you, maybe like to manage the pram or even load onto the taxi. But people are just judging you instead of stepping forward to help. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So how do you think we can raise awareness with regards to teenage pregnancy? So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways. I think as an individual, I mean, let's be non-judgmental. Yeah, because whether it's a teen mom or any lady, I mean, who's with a kid or pregnant, I think we, we should have we should be neutral about it. Mm. And of course, having open conversations. I mean, if we have, uh, like, for example, my friends, right? I mean, you are the same age. I mean, I do share about my work. Mm. So, really sharing at every um, available opportunity. So, mm. at this point in time, we are working with the different stakeholder groups. It can be the teens themselves, parents, organizations. So, we kind of hit... Um, the different age group. Yeah, so that at least there's this awareness. Mm. Mm. So, okay, if today I'm one of your girlfriends and then you're sharing about your work with me, what would you, what would you, what you, what would you be telling me? So, I may do have girlfriends who have um, kids of the same age. So, I would encourage them to start young, to have that open conversation. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, my friend did share that uh, her child is in primary school and they have a group chat these days and the things that they circulate in there is really quite alarming. So, being involved... They meaning the kids? The kids, Yeah. Oh, so that's why devices uh, in primary can be school they have a phone. What do you mean? Yeah, so I mean it really varies. Okay, okay. So yeah, they have so a group chat, and what is what what are, what are they circulating? So there was chat. porn being circulated in what? There. Yeah. How old are we talking about? Upper primary. <gasps> Yeah, so that's why parents' involvement and communication is important. And what's in their device? What are they looking at? So, I mean, these days, there's all this tech, right? Where you can block, like, age-appropriate content. But So then how? But they're in that group. And then if you, if you as the parent, spot that they are receiving such... So you probably need to speak to the teacher or, yeah, report it. Oh, so it's so teens hard. or rather students, youth, they are talking about it, but... Is that environment safe with someone there to intervene and guide? Right. Yeah. Oh, this is so hard. Yeah, and and with devices, if you do a search, it will keep feeding you whatever that you have. Yes, yes. Yeah, so it kind of doesn't stop. So that's where, I mean, if you're looking at, you know, tech, yeah, this is what's happening on the social media platform. So as parents, there has to be that, that involvement and open communication. Right. And of course, I think at the systems level, yeah, I mean, if, if we are aware of, there's always things that we could work with the, the ministries on, on certain issues. Yeah, so that, for example, if we look at reproductive health or rather healthcare as a whole. So in schools, we are already having all these health checks and all. So how else can we also start earlier? Mm. Yeah, because I think even for puberty, it could be happening at a much younger age now. Unlike mm. in the past, we're probably in, in upper primary. Yeah, so how can we also educate our girls? Because I think in the Singapore system, how we are is we, we know as much as what we receive. Yeah, so I mean, and most of the time we are in school. So I mean, if, if school could also have that, that safe environment and have that open conversations, that will be helpful. Mm. Yeah. Do you think we're doing enough? We have progressed, I would say, as compared to, to then. Yeah, so slowly and of course with the generation, we'll probably need to, you know, catch up. <laughs> what, what do you think is an important issue that uh, about teenage pregnancy that should be made more known to the public? I think for teenagers being a mom, it's really a lot of struggle. So I think we should recognize their strength 
that they have gone through so much. Because I mean, being a teen, probably you're still a child, but you have to take on the role of a mother to care for someone who is not much, not not that much older from, I mean, not that much younger from you. Yeah, so I think we have to give them that respect. Because as adults, if we find the parenthood journey so tough, let alone a teen if she doesn't have support. Mm. Yeah, if you're looking at support, it's like no social support, no financial support, but she is there and she wants to make it work. Mm. Yeah, so we, we should support her in that journey. Yeah. Mm. I, I I mean, I have heard, but uh, I'm not sure what exactly it is, mm. but I have heard that uh, single moms uh, can find it very hard to access, for example, like... Uh, uh, subsidies for like education and and certain certain so that that has improved over certain the years. benefits or something yeah. right so um, I mean there's yeah. the, the cash gift yeah. yeah so I mean that that applies if you are not married you do not get a cash gift but you still have that 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 three thousand dollars piece but I guess with the budget these days there's a bit of improve so they they don't get more than that right yeah and of course I think what has improved is the housing mm. in the past for a single mom to kind of can't apply but but that has improved. So now as long as you are 21 years and above, you can actually apply for uh, housing. If you're a single mom. Mm. Mm. Yeah, correct. Well, what, what else? Uh, what, what other examples? The other one would be, for example, subsidy at childcare. So in the past, it was like a chicken and egg thing, right? If you cannot find work, you can't get subsidy as a working mom. But then if you don't have the opportunity to find that work, then how does it go? You know? So these days, there is a, a gap. That means they allow you a, a period before you can find work and they still allow you to have that subsidy. Yeah, because mm. without the subsidy, you can't put your child. It's going to be very, very high. And of course, I guess if we are looking at employment, it's good that, I mean, employers these days are more understanding. And with COVID, it helps that there is work from home. But of course, depending on the education level that they have, they may or may not have the skill to probably find white-collar jobs. So what does that mean is that they probably have to go out to work. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, just now earlier when I shared the part about the economic struggles. Yeah, so this is what happens if you are unable to complete your studies, be able to gain a skill. So that has an impact on how you'll be able to even care for your child. Mm. You know, when you want to put your kid up for adoption, it's only, is it only for unplanned pregnancies? If it's planned pregnancy, you will not be planning up planning to put your child for adoption. Right? Oh, as in you can be, um, it can be an unplanned pregnancy but married. Like married but unplanned pregnancy also. You, oh, like, okay. I, yeah, it's possible as long as Singaporean. Oh, yeah. and then for, for Singaporeans to adopt... Oh, so that, that one, um, we, there is an agency that they could go through. So you actually need to do uh, the home assessment report and all to oh. assure that you're, you know, you're, you're able to care for the child. Oh, so I there's see. a list of requirements mm. okay, before okay. one can uh, take, take, a, take on adoption, yeah. right. be it local or overseas. And adoption mm. means that now this, the, the parental rights belongs to you. Belongs to us. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, curious. But on the other side, I mean, for the work that we do, because for most of them are unplanned pregnancy and they are not married, there is also the illegitimate uh, child. So, I mean, what this means is that should you um, get married in future and you don't will your inheritance to your Ill illegitimate child, he or she will not get your inheritance because it was born out of wedlock. Yeah. Wow, this one, say again. My yeah. brain is not working. Wait, this is my I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so, so this is just for, for general information. Like, because I mean, usually for, I mean, for inheritance, right? If a couple is married and the child, naturally, by inheritance law, it will go to your spouse and mm. your child. Mm. But if it's born out of wedlock, meaning it's an illegitimate child, right. that means it will not automatically go to the child unless you put it in your will. Right. So that is something which I think some of our teens or single parents, they, they do not have the knowledge on that. Yeah, so that's where the part about will writing or sometimes even wanting to... So there are people who do adopt their own child. Oh. Yeah, so if you adopt your child, you already have parental rights. So that's where there's the it automatically goes to your child in, in the event if anything happens and you don't have a will. 
Right. Mm. You mean you can be single and you can adopt your own child? Yes, because it's, it's your own child. But of course, you need to go through all the paperwork right, and right, whatnot. Right. Yeah. So okay. that, that is the other part of it, which we are also educating our our teen moms about it. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any ongoing projects now in, in or campaigns? So this year is actually our 10th year. Yeah, wow. with babes. I mean, uh, for 10 year anniversary for babes. So, I mean, we do have a IWD uh, Women at Babes. So, we're actually featuring 10 women. They, are, they could be our volunteers, donors, um, service users, and all. Yeah, so stay tuned to our weekly post on, on the women that make babes who we are today. Okay, and yeah. what else are you doing to help raise awareness for so this group of young So we are also hoping to work with schools because now, I mean, with COVID restrictions lifted, we do want to go into schools to, to work with the students to, to share awareness. We mm-hmm. also do have our drama workshops that mm-hmm. we work closely with uh, Youth at Risk. So about like 8 to 15 girls where we do uh, group, group setting workshops. What, so, what is the workshop like? So it's, uh, it's a drama workshop. So we will have a girl that will take on the role of a pregnant teen and then the participants will get to ask her questions. So it's a bit of like stimulation, like, you know, if they are the girl, then what will you advise her? Oh. So this can be pretty emotional because some of them do identify with, with the girl. So it's a bit dramatized, but it, it, it speaks to them. And the participants are all pregnant teens? Uh, they may not be. So they could be in relationships or are sexually active. Oh, yeah. And where, where do they where do they? Come so we from? work with schools and organizations uh, for that. Yeah. So in the past, this has been the model working with probably uh, youth at risk. But now with res- restrictions lifted, we hope to work with uh, the youth at large. Mm. Yeah. So we're starting with girls first because I mean this is a group that we are familiar with. Mm. Over time, we we do hope to work with boys as well. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, apart from this uh, outreach, I mean, what we have is also, at least these days, there's a lot more activities. So, uh, we are also participating in, in booths and fairs out there to share the word with the adults and members of the public. Mm. Yeah, so that's where, you know, how, how can we be more empathetic? Yeah, and also support those in need mm. in this way. I mean, what is a typical day like for you at work? I'm, so, I'm if, curious. if we're looking at our case management team, a typical day could be contacting our teens. So they contact a lot via text. Mm. So it's texting them, calling them, and trying to arrange uh, meeting them on site. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, depending on which phase they are at. So for those who have just delivered, we also want to visit them to see how they are doing mm. and coping. Yeah, so, uh, and of course, if there are days where we have outreach events, then probably we'll be out running, standing at the booth, sharing about work. That could take about half a day. And of course, not forgetting the paperwork. Yeah, right. with all that. Yeah. Do you, do you have enough manpower? So there are nine of us. So we have three staff at our case management and then the other uh, five at uh, corporate, I mean, including myself. So, right. I mean, I, I don't do case work, but I mean, I do support the case management team and also working with different partners. Mm, I mean, yeah. does it ever get emotional for the case workers? It does because I think at times, sometimes they do have to accompany them for the abortion procedure, for example. And that is something that, that can be quite emotional. Mm, yeah. I see. Yeah. Sounds like uh, it's, a, it's a really difficult job, but an important one. Yes, because I think being there to have someone to support them is important. And of course, sometimes, I mean, should the child be premature, then the, the teen has to actually go through, I mean, travel to the hospital daily, I mean, if they want to breastfeed. So these are some of the challenges that wow. they face. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where there's a lot of resilience from the girls, where they've kind of decided on what they want and they see through it. Yeah, so yeah. In, in a sense, you really have to prep them for what to expect yes. if you choose this path. Yeah, so right. that the visualization of what would it be like. So when you're talking about caring for the baby, how is it like? It's not just, you know, right? probably you need yeah. to change the diaper, yeah. wake up for feet and stuff like that. So these are things we kind of prep them on what it could look like. Yeah, and then mm. imagine yourself, how would a day be like? 
Yeah. Well, this is this is hard. I, I think this is really hard. Mm-hmm. What is your biggest satisfaction then from this work that you do? I guess seeing that they actually are able to see through what we have agreed on the care plan for them. Yeah, mm. and they they work through it and care for the child. Mm. Yeah, I I think from from chatting with you, uh, end of the day, whether or not they choose to go ahead with the pregnancy, mm. um, the important thing is respecting their decision. Yes, I mean, who are we to say that this is the right thing or the wrong thing to do? Mm. Right. Yes. Um. Every I think every one of them have got different family situations and. Um, things that they have to uh, consider, mm. right, when it comes to making that decision. Yep. So it's always easy for for us to, you know, stand Decide. at the sideline and say that, oh, you you should have done this, you should have done that, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do yeah. that. But really, I guess uh, it, it could happen to actually our kids too. Yes, yes, anyone, you know? and yeah. and anyone, and it could be a close friend as well. It could be someone we know. So mm. I, I think uh, it's important that we build more empathy, you yes. know, and we're more compassionate towards. Uh, this group of, 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 of young women. Yeah, not blaming. And and of course, I don't want to uh, like not talk about the boys as well because I do think that uh, it's important to involve the, the boys in the conversation. Mm. Uh, it, it, after all, it takes two to clap. Yes. Right. It, and and we, all, we both have sons. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, our sons could be the ones making us grandmothers. And I, <laughs> I don't know, right? I mean, yeah. so, so I think... always fall on the girls. Yeah, yeah so I think we, we shouldn't also always just focus on the girls, even mm. the education part, I yes. think. Uh, it's also important that we uh, shift our attention mm. to the boys as well and to help them be aware yes. of what could happen. So any anything that you want to share that you hope that more of us can know about? Yeah, so I mean, I do think if we look at teenage pregnancy, like what you mentioned, it takes two to clap. Mm. And of course, I think if you're looking at support, it takes a whole village, like what you mentioned. And of course, there's also the many helping hands approach that we can't do this alone. Yeah, so I mean, uh, we will need the support of the partner, the parents and the systems. And when I look talk about systems, it includes things like the schools, the policies. So all these have to come into play in order for, for things to move. Yeah, so even as much as we may be open to, for example, uh, supporting, like just now you mentioned about, you, you were asking about single parents, right? Mm. Like how has policy shifted? All this takes time to to shift mm. because the policy can change, but are people prepared for, for what's to come? Mm. Yeah, and are we ready to, to move things together? So I mean, if we look at the shift in supporting or rather the stigma of teen pregnancy, that has improved over time. Mm-hmm. And with that, we could probably have more open conversations. And I mm-hmm. guess with this generation of parents and maybe when our kids become parents, that will also shift for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the information and knowledge will just increase and probably be uh, shared at a much earlier age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unlike to what we were exposed now or what kids are experiencing at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I suppose there's also a little bit of fear that comes with um, showing support because... Mm-hmm. Uh, there could also be this uh, this this notion that if I were to support, mm. it means I'm condoning. condoning it. I mean, do you think that is the case? So, I mean, we can be very specific in what we are supporting. So, I mean, what, what we want to focus on is empowering the individual on the decision. Mm. Yeah, and how can we help her succeed? Yeah, so, I mean, we are there to show that kind of support Yeah, mm. in, in the decision making. Mm. Yeah, because, I mean... We will not bear to let the person fail because what we are looking at is a young individual or even with her child. 
Mm. Yeah, so as a society, as a community, this is what we are working towards. Having mm. that empathy and support. When you mean fail, you mean fail in... Fail as in not giving her that support. So for example, if she wants to go back to school, but it makes it very, very hard. If she has to go, I mean, if her... For example, if her peers are discriminating her and the teacher is not supportive, for example, that, that is not what we want. Mm. Because I mean, we're looking at an inclusive society here. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I, I suppose in this case it has already happened mm. right uh, yes and and so instead of blaming and judging and, yeah. and saying you should have i mean if if they had known i'm sure you know they wouldn't come you to this point i mean it's unplanned right yeah. it's unplanned i mean there's a reason why it's unplanned mm. right so uh instead of if, instead of all that yeah. uh it's it it it's really showing that support and it doesn't necessarily mean that if I support I, I'm, I, I'm saying that you should do it. It's, it's yes. not the same meaning. Mm, yes, it's different. Uh, and I yeah. think we, we can learn to sort of differentiate that and if, mm. we, if we learn to differentiate that then, you know, it would help us also learn to build more compassion, you know, yeah. and, and understand that we can support someone mm. without it being us saying Oh, you can go ahead and just do whatever you want, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that is the 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 line that we can draw as well, and that yeah. we can, uh, sort of learn to break through. Because mm. I do realize that many of us have this have this thought, right? That if you mm. are to support, you are condoning, and then because of that, yeah, then you just withhold your support. Yes, correct. Because yeah. I mean, we, we do have some donors who, when they hear that we also support termination abortion, some of them don't. So I mean, we do respect that as well because yes. as individuals, we all have different values. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, it's good to be clear on what is that support. Right. Yeah, but at least we do get that message out that, you know, this is the group that we are supporting and it's in, in different ways. And how are you comfortable in supporting in your own way? Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah that's also one very important thing because all mm. of us have different values. Yes. And uh, we, therefore, we would. Uh, feel more comfortable about certain things than uncomfortable about mm. others and yeah. there's no right or wrong yeah it's just how we all are and yeah. uh, whatever it is that we decide that you know we we want to be respected right mm. and i think in the same way for them as well for the for the young girls that they want to be respected too mm. and it's their choice their decision and i mean at the end of the tunnel there'll always be light so yes. things will work out yeah things mm. will work out i like that yeah thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing this you know, very delicate topic that we're talking about here. Uh, well, where can our listeners find you if they you know, need help, know of someone who need help? Yeah, so I mean, if you just Google Babes Pregnancy Crisis Support, yeah, mm -hmm. that's where you could find us. Okay. Yeah, or Teenage Pregnancy, we will appear on the feed. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with me and Melissa. If you like what you hear, please remember to give us a five-star review and share with all your friends. A video version of this podcast is available on YouTube, uh, which is my channel, Too Happy Media. And you know what? You can also now watch the video version on Spotify. Yay! Well, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you again soon. Bye! Bye! This was a Zodapop podcast.